This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. TL Talk Radio Season 5, Episode 33. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 33 of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funy-Hatton and Randy Ziganfus, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Ziganfus. And I'm Lynn Finney-Hatton. Good afternoon, Randy. Hello, Lynn. You're at a remote location this afternoon. I am. How's my volume? It's okay. Okay, because I know that you're kind of a sound snob, but... You'll fix it. Yeah. So today, great conversation. Looking forward to talking with John Moss, um, one of one of our teachers in Salisbury Township School District. And John is a seventh grade math teacher, and this is actually his first year in Salisbury. So he just joined us, even though he's been working as an educator for almost eight years. Um, previously, he taught mostly fifth to eighth grade students in various subjects at schools around the country. And before becoming an educator, he served in the military for nearly five years and worked with the NFL and college sports. So pretty diverse background for John. All right. And John, we were was announced before the show by Lynn, gets a gold star for All being right. on our podcast today. So congratulations, John. Thank you. We'll make sure your principals know that. <laughs> Please do. So we like to start with a, our conversation uh, with a personal story about how each guest is connected to the topic of the day. And today we're talking about this idea of student talk in math class. So how did you get connected to this idea of increasing student talk in math class? Well, I was, I was fortunate enough to teach a variety of subjects, fifth through eighth grade, um, and when I was teaching a humanities class, I was a sixth grade teacher teaching a humanities class. I saw how much discourse was occurring between the students. They were evaluating what was going on. We were writing about it. We were debating. And I also was teaching a math class the following period. And that didn't exist at all. And that really bothered me. That it was much more about just drilling and memorization. And here are the steps. Here are all the types of problems that you're going to see. Uh, make sure you memorize it. And the students would just go away and just work on the problems over and over and over. And I didn't have that discourse. We didn't have those conversations. And I felt like this isn't truly relevant to what we're trying to do in mathematics in real world today. So it reminds me of, you know, one of our learning beliefs around here is that learning is socially embedded. So even in something like math and every subject, we should be getting our kids to talk because that's where learning occurs when we have those conversations and we can socially engage with those ideas that are in our head and those concepts that we're learning, engage with another person. That's really where the learning happens. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I, when you see that occur, you see the kids get excited and they start to make it more personal 
And I think it's math isn't so far away from them. Now it's, it's more relevant to what their everyday lives are. And I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. And that's a great segue into our next question to talk about how increasing student talk aligns to our profile of a graduate and our learning beliefs. And for our listeners, you probably remember our profile of a graduate um, is the document in which we articulated the knowledge, skills, and dispositions that our learners need. And our learning beliefs um, talk about what we believe our classroom should look like and is what we're working towards. So increasing student talk, how does it connect, John? Well, it's it's more personalized, it's more relevant, and mm-hmm. then it creates a sense of uh, learner agency. So they have choice, they have their voice. And I think once you do that, students now realize, well, this is how it's gonna apply to my everyday life. And they become more active participants in the classroom. It's not just me up, up in front of the board explaining a problem and the students are there sitting there in silence. Mm-hmm. I think that's the last thing that I wanna see or have someone come in my classroom and see in my, in my class. I think you wanna see the students up explaining, debating, having discourse all over the classroom and talking about how it applies to their everyday life or things that matter to them. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, it's a big thing. And I know we've talked before and you connect to um, some of the ideas in the profile of a graduate and the skills. And so, for example, collaboration. Yes. Um, so how does, how does this increasing students' opportunity to share and talk uh, meet some of those skills? When you create these real-world multi-step math problems, it really forces collaboration. It's difficult for one student to just answer the question, whereas the old drill and memorize, they can do that. They can just look at the steps, do it by themselves. Mm -hmm. Now they have to have a conversation. Now they have to collaborate. And then they have to present in front of their peers and say, well, this is why I think this is correct. And debate that and discuss that and figure out, okay, what is the best idea? What's the best way to approach this problem? And they're building problem-solving skills. Mm -hmm. I always try to tell the kids, it's not about pre-algebra concepts. It's about being a problem-solver. There are answers here. The the answer is here. How do you get there? Mm -hmm. I think that really aligns well with our our profile of graduate and our learning beliefs. Mm -hmm. So let's zoom in the conversation to the the classroom level. And, you know, as someone who designs learning experiences um, for seventh grade learners in the area of math, share with us some examples of strategies or ways that you structure Uh, the opportunities to have this math talk in the classroom? So most of the time, as soon as they enter the the classroom, they sit down, they see what's on the TV of of what our agenda is for today, because I want them to know what's going to happen. I don't want there to be surprises with that. I want them to say, okay, this is what's going to happen first. We're going to be discussing these math problems. And what we do usually is we have a turn and talk. They turn and talk to their partner, whether that's next to them, is behind them, and they have a dialogue about the problems they may have had for homework or that they're going to encounter for the day, and they begin that discussion. Um, and how are they going to approach these multi-step math board problems? It's very important that they can discuss, here's how I approached it. Not just me saying, okay, let me give you the answers. If you have it correct, great. If not, we're going to move on. Um, so that's the beginning of the class. Mm-hmm. Then we structure several activities throughout the week where they're small group discussions. So they can choose their group sometimes, and sometimes we don't allow them to choose their group because we want them to work with different types of learners and thinkers. So you have the turn talks, you have the small group, and then we have presentation time, which I I believe Lynn and and Randy, you came to those. Mm -hmm. They look at these application-based problems that they have to, again, apply to real-world scenarios, and they can create a presentation. And what I love about those is that even for my students who aren't really excited about talking in front of a lot of people, they can create videos, they can create animations. It's up to them how they want to create 
and present that to the class. So I have some of my students who really struggle with talking in front of a large group. They'll create a Flipgrid or a video where they'll be talking to the camera and explaining how something's going on in such a clear and concise manner, which I know they would struggle with that in front of a group of people. Mm -hmm. And that shows their learning and that's how they can highlight that. So those are some of the things that we have to do. Mm -hmm. So really when you're doing this, you're releasing agency to the learners, right? You're giving them different um, opportunities. And I heard you talk about giving them voice and choice and how they want to share their learning. And what other ways do you see that increasing students talking during a math class that releases agency? Well, I think a lot of it is, <laughs> there's a silence and, and sometimes the, the students, they don't understand maybe a topic. And so what you'll see is if they're not doing the talking, it, I tell them it, it, the class is just gonna be quiet the whole time. Is that what you really want? Or do you wanna drive the learning here? So I may nudge them in a certain direction by saying, how does this relate to your favorite video game? Mm -hmm. right? The video game Fortnite is very popular amongst the students in class. So when we're talking about ratios and rates, we can relate that to the subject. And then they go off on that. Then they just get excited and they say, well, this is how this can work. And this is how it's related to when we played this game last night. Um, so I try to create um, scenarios in which we talk about things that matter to them. And then it goes from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Lynn's question related to this idea of releasing agency and learners. And mm -hmm. we've throughout this whole journey that we've been on um, around shifting the way that we think about learning in the classroom. Uh, found that agency is really sort of the core of this. And once we get that right, a lot of those other elements somewhat fall into place. So how would you help other teachers to grasp this idea of agency? What might you tell them uh, to do if they're struggling with this idea of giving up control and transferring uh, choice over to, to learners? Well, I would, I would hope they, I guess for me, my philosophy is I always want my learners to feel known challenged and loved. So number one, do you know your students? Do you know what they care about? Do you know what matters to them? And how can you relate the subject or the matter at hand to what matters to them? Because the more you can do so, the more you can give them that ownership. Um, and then you can challenge them. Mm -hmm. And then finally, I want them to feel loved. And I think the more your students feel loved, um, the more they're going to want to take that agency. Even if it's a subject that they may don't, maybe don't love or, or, or enjoy they want to, they want to please, and they want to have an environment where they could show you their ability. Um, so it's, and, and then on top of that, you can look <clears> online <throat> and see how other teachers are doing it. It's very easy to figure out how someone is teaching pre-algebra um, with problem-based mathematics and how they allow their learners to take agency, right? And how they allow them to take ownership of their learning. So those are all different types of ways, I would say so. So you said something really important, getting to know the learners. How do you get to know your learners? Because, you know, we've both been in your room and we know that you connect with your learners. And, you know, we, we see you asking them about their sports activity or how they did in their game last night or maybe celebrating how you did in your game, <laughs> your game the night before. <laughs> but how do you get to know them as learners? Because relationships are really a key piece here. Well, I'm very deliberate at the beginning of the school year. I have them write down who matters most in their life. What are some hobbies that they like to, to, you know, to take part in after school? Uh, what are they proud of? And I think through those few questions, you can start a dialogue and a conversation with your students. Mm -hmm. And it's not just sitting in one corner of the classroom and maybe working with a few students. I try to make sure that I see every student, every class, even if it's only 40 minutes. And I know I have 30 students. That's why you're so busy. You're trying to check in each one of those students and figure out, 
Do you understand what we're doing? How's your day going? What matters most to you right now? And I think if you continue to do so, and not even just in your classroom, out in the hallways, mm-hmm. right? Standing out in the hallways, being present and interacting with them, you start to find out more and more about them and you create a more, uh, a deeper relationship, I would say. Mm-hmm. So you're really intentional about that. And, and yes. we can certainly see that with, with your interactions with your learners. All right. So this season we added the lightning round. Okay. <laughs> All right. And really the whole purpose is just to give our listeners sort of something else to look at or read about or another resource or person from whom um, our listeners can learn. So are you ready for the questions? I am. Okay. Excellent. Here we go. Who is one expert our listeners should connect with to learn more about engagement in math class? So uh, Robert Kaplinsky is a, um, a gentleman I subscribe to his weekly emails, his blog. He has great uh, real-world problem-based, problem-based lessons from second through 12th grade on his website. So Robert Kaplinsky, K-A-P-L-I-N-S-K-Y. And I think he does a fantastic job mm-hmm. of taking mathematics, taking away kind of uh, what scares children and scares students and making it relevant to them. And he just provides fantastic lessons that excites them and you know just really pushes them to be their best. Mm-hmm. Great, thanks for sharing that. We'll mm-hmm. link it in our show notes. That's not uh, one that I've seen before. All right, how about second question? If you were recommending one book to our listeners, what would it be? Well, I think you probably have referenced this book, but Carol Dweck's mindset book, um, The New Psychology of Success. I feel like so many parents I did, uh, have conversations with or even other teachers, it can be sometimes of a fixed mindset. My son or daughter doesn't have an A in your class when I notice how hard their son and daughter work. And I would rather them focus on the process versus the result and be more process oriented and talk about work ethic and how much that matters to me more so than maybe a particular grade. Um, so I think she does a fantastic job of really educating you on what matters the most and what mm-hmm. can you control and how can you change your process to get the most out of your ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Randy and I would agree that mindset is so important in our learners and our young learners and then also in our adult learners, our teachers, our leaders, and ourselves as we um, work to develop learning environments that really reflect our learning beliefs. All right, last question. Um, before we invite you to share what's next for you, what online site or resource or person do you learn from regularly? Well, I mean, I, this one's... I guess more personalized to me, but my math team, I, the, the team I work with at the middle school, Meredith Castagna and Mike Posh, they're such seasoned veterans, but what I love about them is that they're so open. They're so open to learning. They're so open to being better. They just want what's best for their students. So when I come in with only seven, eight years of experience and they have far more than me, they don't look at me like, well, you're new. You know, This is the way we've always been doing it. They're very open. Well, how does that work for you? And they come in my classroom, they actually watch it occur. Like Mike's been in my classroom a few times, so has Meredith, and I love that about them. And then when I have any issues or I'm trying to figure out a better way to teach a certain concept, they're always there for me. So I would say my math team at Salisbury is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So this idea of building building a network in your building and beyond and um, having a growth mindset and working with each other to create better experiences for learners. So. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And uh, Randy and I certainly know the importance of having a critical friend or critical colleagues uh, with whom to work and, and learn and grow. 
All right. So last question, what's next for you, John, either personally or in your class? So in the classroom, I teach both the pre-algebra class and algebra topics. Um, in pre-algebra, we were really working with discovery education has a math curriculum. Um, and, I, and I think they do a great job with it because it's much more real world application based. Um, so it's pushing the students. It's more difficult. It's much more literacy. I think that's involved than they're used to in mathematics, but I think that's a great thing. Um, and they're seeing how it's used day to day. I rarely get the question, well, when do we actually use this? When do we actually mm. do this? And that's a good feeling. Um, in my algebra topics class, we have an algebra and life project, uh, which I love because we're looking at some of life's biggest decisions and how that relates to algebra. So attending college and calculating your loan payoff, um, calculating your first salary before and after taxes, and whether it's worth to take that job in San Francisco at that salary level, and how does that work with the cost of living versus mm -hmm. the job in Allentown, and then like purchasing a home and the costs associated and the taxes. All of that relates to algebra, and I think the kids really love that. I had a student tell me the other day, this is the hardest thing they're doing this year, but this is the most enjoyable thing they're doing. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a great payoff. Yeah, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join us, John. And for our listeners, if you want to connect with John, you can follow him on Twitter um, and reach out to him and you'll see his handle in the show notes. Also, a few different links to the Salisbury profile of a graduate in learning beliefs. Um, we'll stick something in there about Flipgrid and Robert Kaplinsky and also in the mindset resource. Each episode, we leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking reflection and conversation. This episode's question, why is it important to increase student talk during your math class? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared today, visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for season five, episode 33. And that's all for now. We'll be back soon with another conversation featuring another innovative thought leader. Thanks again, John. Thanks, Thank John. You Thank you. to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.